Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode, the first of the second season of the Real Life Oscar Challenge. Of the Michael Levito Show, about <laughs> movies. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> There's a cat on Kathleen's lap, and that's why Kathleen's making the noises, because she's trying to get out of Kathleen's clutches. Okay. Hi, welcome back. Let's talk some movies, Michael. (laughs) I'm Michael Vito, and joining me as always are my disorganized co-hosts. I'm just kidding. Lars Emerson, my roommate. (laughs) That's me. I'm not disorganized. (laughs) And Kathleen Levito, my sister. That's me. Yeah. Alright. Like I said, season two, because this episode we're starting the 2000s. The year was 2000. It was a year of a subway series between the Mets and the Yankees. It was a year of a controversial presidential election. Oh, yeah! Do you guys remember that? No. No, I know. Presidential election was it? 2000. When was it elected? Bush v. Gore. Oh, I remember that. Well, I mean, I remember it being Bush v. Gore, but I don't remember anything that happened aside from Bush winning. I have, oh, I have a funny anecdote I'm going to tell. I remember that election year is like... I, like, knew their names, and we were living in Florida, and I was telling my parents that, like, I really thought Bush should win because he sounded like a plant, and therefore he was the environmentalist. And my mother just, like, was like, you are so wrong, I hate you. Like, she, like, the irony of it killed her, and she's dead to this day. Uh, I didn't know anything about either candidate, but we had neighbors whose last name were Bush, Bush. I was like, George Bush seems nice. Yeah, I know, right? They let me play on their swing set. Yeah. Um, it was also the year where Y2K didn't happen. Um, oh, yeah. But most importantly, five movies were nominated for Best Picture. Um, Only one won. It's true. <laughs> there never has been a tie ass there. And those movies were Shuckle Law, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, Gladiator, and Traffic. So I think we should just talk about them. Let's do it. Let's start off with Chocolat. Boo! Directed by Lassa Hallstrom. Uh, written by Robert Nelson Jacobs. Based on the novel Singing by Joanne Harris. Starring Juliette Binoche, Judy Dench, Alfred Molina, Lena Olin, Johnny Depp, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugh O'Connor, John Wood, Peter Stormare, and Leslie Curran. So Chocolat, it's about this woman and her daughter who move into a small French town and open up a Chocolaterie. Um, <laughs> French. I have so many comments to pick with this okay. movie. Um, but they open it up in the middle of Lent, and that ruffles the very Catholic mayor and the very Catholic... Well, the priest actually doesn't care that much. It ruffles the very Catholic mayor who's all into having people go to Mass and things. Um, but some of the times people begin to take to um, Julia Pinoche's character, whose name is Vion, um, and you know she, she helps them with their problems, and eventually Johnny Depp comes along, and because he's like a... A river pirate, and then they they kind of start a relationship. They canoof. You had a lot of opinions, Kathleen. You said. Well, this is why, because it is now in the real world. It is now after Thanksgiving, post Thanksgiving, as some would say, which means that the Hallmark Channel Christmas movies have been playing hot and heavy. <laughs> and now that I think about it, this movie is basically a Hallmark Channel Christmas movie. Yeah, five hundred percent. Yeah. So it's like. You know, like, too nice for her own good single mom moves in with her spunky little daughter into forgotten small town where people are, like, grinchy. I mean, like, in a lot of Hallmark Channel movies, they're all insufferably positive, but let's just pretend. Oh, no, what this is... Usually it's the inverse, really. It's kind of the... Yeah, it kind of is the inverse. This is The Good Witch. I don't know if you have ever watched The Good Witch. I know. Hallmark Channel original movie turned series. It's a favorite of our mothers. It's very good. <laughs> so, Hi, Mrs. Levito. I hope you're listening. <laughs> says some. And it's like that town like doesn't believe in magic or whatever. I don't know. I think I remember the mayor being kind of a piece of work. But it's like through the spirit of... In Hallmark Channel world, it's the spirit of Christmas. In this world, it's the spirit of chocolate. Everything, you know, turns better. And then look, there's a gruff but lovable love interest that comes and first wins the heart of the child because he is just so good with children. And then 
through the child wins the heart of the parent, and then they live happily ever after. Just like Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense, he wins the heart of the child and then the mother. Wait, no. <laughs> Never mind. The mother actually doesn't even know he exists. <laughs> Hold on. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Um, yeah, Lars, you're Fox. I didn't really like this movie. Johnny Depp plays a pirate like he does in all aspects of life. He's a I... terrible person. And he's always a pirate in yes. one way or another. Name one movie, and he's a pirate. Ed Wood. What's yeah, Gilbert? he's a pirate of Hollywood in that one. What's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah, he's a pirate l- lynching, le- leeching off of his, his brother in that one. <laughs> Wait, no. I don't know. I don't know about that one. I've never seen I don't know. Johnny Depp is a problem. <laughs> um, Very controversial. <laughs> um... I don't. I don't know. The best scene is when he's rolling around in the chocolates window. He being Alfred Millane. Yes. Who yeah. Mayor. Who's like the no chocolate in my town? Yeah. Priest mayor. Yeah. Mayor it's priest. Like, it's like Footloose, but it is. Yeah. It's like Footloose, but for chocolate and somehow worse. Yeah. It. it um, There's no Kevin Bacon to save us. Instead, we get weird pirate Johnny Depp. Remember they remade Footloose? I feel like everyone forgot about that. I do remember. Oh, I remember that. I've been writing Congress for years (laughs) to punish them. Anyway, um, yeah, and it's this movie. I don't know how people react to this movie when it came out. I mean, obviously, some people liked it because it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, I will say this: I actually do. I kind of like. I didn't mind Johnny Depp in this. Like, I think he was obnoxious. He's a. I thought he was actually like kind of charming in this. Oh, um, I agree. Mike's into pirates. I'm into pirates. <laughs> oh, I'm not into pirates. They're dirty. <laughs> remember when Pirate vs. Ninja was a thing? I'm just going to be that guy who goes, remember when XYZ was a thing? Anyway. No, um, I don't. <laughs> you don't remember that? What's Pirate vs. Ninja? It was like a debate. It was like, who would win in a fight, a pirate or a ninja? A ninja? <laughs> Clearly Obviously. Ninja. It's funny, because in my hometown, the, the wisdom was reversed. They all thought it was a pirate, because pirates have guns. Um... Uh, We're not going to talk about this, though. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, that that the scene where he's like, so there's a scene where Alfred Molina, I don't remember exactly how he gets there. He, like, breaks into the chocolatery, <laughs> and, like, he goes to the, the display window where there's all these elaborate sort of chocolate creations, and just starts gorging on him and, like, actually is weeping as he's just stuffing his face <laughs> with chocolate. And it's literally um, the Key and Peele's, the Continental Breakfast Key and Peele sketch, where he's just like, she's just like, I'll have what I'm having, as he's shoving his mouth and just starts weeping. Actually, that's supposed to be, like, funny. And I guess this is supposed to be funny, too, but I feel like funny in a different way. Um, this is like Hallmark movie funny. It is, yeah. yeah. Go ahead and sneeze. Okay, Kathleen's going to sneeze. It's also, like... Just it's like like oh, so many of the characters are just like the, that character from SpongeBob, where it's like I remember when they invented chocolate and I hated it. Like it's just kind of that, like over and over a lot. <laughs> also, just like weird tonally. Um, it is. It's like very light, and then goes like weirdly dark, like when the boat is on fire. Yeah, <laughs> but like everyone's still laughing, and it's like kind of happy. Well, is that? They don't laugh there, no. Like, it's but it's, that, like, juxtapositioned it's, against a scene of, like, happiness. Yeah, it's that entire character's thing who, um... It, yeah, the character's name is Serge. I forget. Actually, it's Peter Stormare. But it's, like, his whole storyline is that, like, his wife is kind of, like, a kleptomaniac and sort of, like, mumbles to herself. And, like, it turns out it's because she's being abused by him. Ooh. And, like... Uh, Julia Binoche gives her chocolate that, like, makes her stand up to him. And she ends up, like, living and working with Juliette Binoche. They all sleep in the same bed. Ugh. Well, do they? I don't know. <laughs> the mother and the daughter. Watching the same movie? Um, <laughs> and then, but, and, so, and then he kind of, like, tried, like, the, the, the mayor is trying to be like, oh, like, I'll have this guy, I'll, I'll prove that I, I, I can still make good things happen this time by having her win it. Having him win her back and tries to turn him into a gentleman. Um... But basically, like, there's a scene where he breaks into Juliette Binoche's, like, apartment and, like, tries to strangle his wife and is in the middle of strangling Juliette Binoche when, when his wife comes by and just bonks him on the head of a frying pan. And then Juliette Binoche is laughing and laughing and laughing that she was almost murdered by this, like, 
raging alcoholic. It's very strange. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, d- let's not forget about the fact that there's this overarching storyline of Julie Binoche and her mother. Like, her mother was a traveling chocolate giver. Because, thing is, they have a chocolate shop. They don't sell a single piece. They just give it away for free. I think that's implied they sell it, I guess. I don't just know. like the devil. I you guess. don't pay for it. Eat money. <laughs> <laughs> This is a weird episode. <laughs> um, no, but it, her mother's the crazy. It's her mother's supposed to be like Mayan or some yeah. like indigenous Mesoamerican people. Yeah. Um, which, like, if you had to cast Juliet Binoche as like a half like Mesoamerican in today's society, there'd be, I think, a lot of uproar about that. But that's like the whole thing, yeah, is that like her mother and father got together. Um, and then her mother was like, like the, the, the like wind like told her to go and like traipse around Europe making people chocolate. And, and she then, brought Julie Binoche with her, so now Julie Binoche is doing the same thing with her daughter, and her daughter is all just like, I just want a home, mommy. And, um, and then eventually they stop and they get married to the pirate man. They never actually they show. Married? No, no, that never <laughs> actually happens. It's like Johnny Depp comes back at the end. Yeah. Because right. it's like eventually the 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 Mercerge, like the abusive guy, like he he like because um, the townsfolk also didn't like the, the the river pirates, and so um, this guy like hears the mayor complaining about it, so he's like, ah, I know what I'll do to get in the mayor's good graces. And he burns down their like houseboat, yeah. um, and it's like, no, I don't want you to do that. There we go. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh then, man! Uh, and Oops. then so they go away for a little bit, and then they come back, and it's because he had to like fix the. It's like I feel like this movie sets up a lot of things that are supposed to be poignant and make you think, not think, but just like make you feel. Make you feel. But they all feel like very underdeveloped. And... I didn't feel almost anything during no, this movie, yeah. though. Like I had very little emotional resonance with this film. Yeah, which is kind of how I felt about. The other movie that this guy directed that we watched, which was The Cedar House Rules. Oh. I don't know if you're not feel anything. And it also just felt like weird, condensed and underdeveloped. Larson yeah. feels too I felt that one more, but I kind of get what you mean. I mean, I think it's a better movie than this one, but... Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Chocolat, yeah, it was nominated for Best Original Score, Best Adapted Screenplay, Judy Dench was nominated for Best Supporting Actress... Julia Binoche for nine for Best Actress, and of course Best Picture. It won none of those awards. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Crouching Tiger, okay. Hidden Dragon. Uh, so this movie was directed by Ang Lee, uh, written by Wong Kyu Ling, James Shaumis, and Tsai Ku Jung. It was based on a book by Wang Du Lu, and stars Chow Yun Fat, Michelle Yeoh, Zhang Ziyi, Chang Chen, Sai Hung Wong, and Cheng Pei Pei. Yes. Nothing. Oh, you had a look on your face. Um, I did not. So this movie is about this woman who is is sort of asked by this warrior monk to transport what I guess is a magical sword. It's some important special sword um, to like somewhere his master or something, and um, she ends up stopping in the in this town, and which is also being visited by like a Chinese noble. And um, and his daughter, and all of a sudden the sword goes missing, is robbed by someone, and it turns out that that person is in fact the daughter of the noble, and that her master, teaching her how to fight, is the person who murdered Chao Young Fat's master, and so the movie is kind of them just trying to get the sword back from her, and then also defeat her master after she, after she kind of joins their side. And that's the best way I can describe a movie I really didn't remember that much about. What did you think about it, Lars? So, you know why? <laughs> Probably because halfway through the movie, there's a whole 30-minute interlude where the plot is, like, technically a flashback, but for 30 minutes. And it's really obnoxious, and it really upsets the entire flow of the film. Like, I kind of had a feeling once they started jumping through the air on wires and it doesn't it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Like, I, I get that it's, like, a stylistic choice at this point. It just it doesn't look great to my American sensibilities, and that's, you know, say whatever you want about that. But it's like, 
that's one thing. Like, I, I could roll with that. But then halfway through the film, it does this, like, 30-minute, like, hold on, pause, we forgot to tell you some backstory about an hour ago, so we're gonna stop the movie and tell you about it right now. And just, you forget, like, everything that happened, because it's a 30, it's like 30 minutes of it, like, telling you about this, like, surfer bro that she used to be. <laughs> I what he reminded surfer me. bro in the middle of the desert? Yeah, it's what he reminded me of. <laughs> With this surfer bro, like, romance, and I don't know. Yeah, it goes through this thing where the, 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 the nobleman's daughter is, she's traveling through the desert in some caravan, and it's attacked by this group of families. Oh, I do remember this. It's so amazing when your cat just crawls off the back of your chair like that. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> she's, she's, she's making herself known on this episode. Um, and, and, yeah, the bandits attack, and then they, like, steal her horse. No, no, they steal something else, but her comb. Her comb. Oh, yeah. And then, so she chases after him, and then she ends up hurting herself, and he sort of nurses her back to health in this cave, and they start this whole thing, and he's like, I can't really say it's you because you're a bandit, and I'm a, I'm a fancy woman. So she runs off. But yeah, it just... I feel like, yeah, it definitely just sort of kills the momentum dead in its tracks at that point. Kathleen, what did you think? <laughs> this um, cat's very strange. <laughs> um, I didn't like this movie. I just didn't think I wasn't interested by any of it. Um, it was a movie that... If I had, like... Walked to, if I had seen the beginning and I had walked away for like a good portion in the middle and come back at the end, I would have been able to predict what was going on um, because it was just like a very typical plot line. It was all very normal. It's Star Wars, like in parts. It's very Star Warsy. What? How so? How so? I'm just in feeling, not necessarily in plot. Oh, but I'll, see, I think Star Wars is like exciting and engaging. No, it is, but it's like I, in like a universe setting, it feels exactly like Star Wars to me. I yeah, it does kind of have that sort of like vibe to it, where it's like there's sort of an ambiguous government structure, and it, there's a, it's, it's like sort the of tone. The tone of it is yeah, very yeah. It, it's yeah, like it's yeah, like an adventure yeah. movie. Yeah. But I think the problem is it doesn't adventure enough. Yeah, like I feel because there, there's a point like after the whole flashback scene that shows. I want to get this character's name right. It's um, because I just keep calling her the noble woman, and that's not her real name. Her name's Jen. Um, it shows her like uh, venturing out into like the, I guess the countryside, and she gets challenged by all these like guys to, like in a fight, and she's like fighting all of them and stuff. And like it's it's, th- it's sort of uh, Chow Yun Tat and Michelle Yeoh like following her lead and like trying to track her down. I feel like that should have been like most of the movie, right? Like, it should have been sort of more of this cat-and-mouse game between this woman who steals the sword and the people trying to get it back. But it it doesn't, because it has the weird romantic subplot inserted in the middle. And I just I just feel like this movie wastes a lot of time doing nothing. Like, I feel like it's very poorly paced. And there's just, like... I just could not get a handle on the pacing of this movie. It just felt very... Land. Like, and I, I, I really want to like this movie, but, like, it just, like, I honestly can't in good conscience recommend it just because of how sort of, like, bored I was from long stretches of it. It reminded me of a bad Kill Bill. Hmm. Where... Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I think because Kill Bill's based on, like, martial arts. Probably, movies. and because it has the same setup of, like, when there's a battle, it's, like, everybody clear away. It's like you're in, like, literally, like, a zone. It feels like yeah. Pokemon, where it's, like, the battle zone. Yeah. I don't, I don't treat anything, I don't, I don't ever watch Pokemon. Um, but just, like, bad. Well, yeah, I think there's one that actually <laughs> Kill Bill is, like, Crouching Tiger and Dragon. Yeah, well, yeah, but with intrigue and interest. I, f- um, I feel like I'd like it a lot more on a rewatch. I will give it that. Is I feel like there's more going on than any of us think there is. That could yeah, be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and maybe just yeah, in a different context. I'd like I imagine that. there's probably a lot you can read. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's like a lot you can read into about like character relationships and blah 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 and blah, like all that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't. I wasn't intrigued enough to. Yeah. I'm inclined to give it the benefit of the doubt. 
due to its like that we are all biased by like our American film sensibilities. Yeah, no, I think like, it's, I'm I'm inclined to believe that this is just like a very unique film for us to have watched, and yeah. that's why we all didn't like click with it. Yeah, yeah, I and there's it, some irony to that too because this was sort of like a co-production from a couple different countries. Um, I think with like it was yeah, so it was co-produced by. Asian Union Film Entertainment, China Film Co-Productions Corporation, Columbia Pictures Film Production Asia, Edco Films, Good Machine International, and Zoom Hunt Production. So, like, some American companies and then, like, Chinese and Taiwanese as well. Um, and it was specifically, like, hey, let's make a martial arts movie that is, like, geared towards Western audiences. But this... And this isn't a criticism, but it doesn't really feel... It doesn't feel to gear towards Western audiences to me. Um, right? But apparent, But it's credited with, like reviving interest in martial arts films in the US and like I do remember as a kid there being commercials for like a lot of like Jet Li movies and things like that um mm-hmm. so yeah but like I, I just yeah I'm still about to get aged well because of the wire work and like I yeah. don't think wire effects have aged well like period um but yeah they're, they're like I think of like the last scene and I actually do kind of really like the last scene which is the last scene, yeah. um, they're at this I like, I forget the name, like the sort of the city where like these warrior monks live, and uh, Jen and Lo, who's the perfect like, bandit boyfriend, are standing on like this this sort of like ledge, and they say earlier in the movie there's like some poem or metaphor or whatever about a guy who jumped off a mountain. I honestly don't remember that much about this movie. Uh, yeah. And it's just, it's just like, you remember that? And it's just kind of like jumps off and like flies away into like the mist. And she's like kind of sad about it. And he's kind of sad about it. And like that, that kind of like is the, like that, that like image actually stuck with me a lot after watching it. And it makes me think that, yeah, maybe if I did rewatch it, I'd like it and get something out of it. Yeah. I think that's the, like how I would sum this up. Yeah. It's, would I recommend it now? No, but would I rewatch it again? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. If I, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's it. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it without rewatching it again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it was nominated for like a crap ton of awards. Though this is like a super popular movie that people like love. Yes, I said crap ton. Um, <laughs> it was nominated for best editing, best costume design, one best cinematography, one best art direction. The song A Love Before Time was nominated for Best Original Song. Uh, it won Best Original Score, won Best Foreign Language Film, was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, Ang Lee was nominated for Best Director, and was, of course, nominated for Best Picture. All right. Next up, we have Aaron Brockovich. The Brock. Yeah. Aaron Brockovich is a true... Oh, hold on. Let me tell you what it's about. Oh, who, who made it first? Not who it's about. Um, it's about Aaron Brockovich. He was directed by Steven Soderbergh. Written by Susanna Grant and stars Julia Roberts, Albert Finney, and Aaron Eckhart. Um, so Aaron Brockovich is this unemployed single mother, and she ends up, after trying a lot, she gets a job at a law firm at, as like a paralegal, I guess, and does some research and stumbles upon this case where the water in a small town in California is being poisoned with chromium. And she has to convince first her boss to take this case on and, of course, go up against the company, which I believe is just Pacific um, Gas and... What's, yeah, Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E, uh, and, and take them on and with, with all her folksy charm and popular appeal. Um, yeah. Lars, what did you think about this movie? I kind of liked it. Um, I didn't like it in that it's like, I don't think it's the greatest movie of the year I actually don't even really think it should have been nominated for best picture I there's so many sirens today what is this Homer's The Odyssey uh. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't I don't really get why this was nominated for best picture yeah he's like there's nothing bad about it it's just not it's kind of like how Four Weddings and a Funeral was nominated for Best Picture. Is it's like this does kind of feel more like more just like a movie. Like I don't. I'm trying to think of like a good similar example. Um, 
it's I've got it. I've got it. It's like um, um, Anne Hathaway and Meryl Streep. The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, it's like how I wouldn't. That's what this kind of reminded me of. It's like I wouldn't nominate that for Best Picture. It's you, a you good movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't nominate it for Best Picture, and that's kind of how I felt about this. Like, there's nothing. Like, I, I think the acting is good in this. I actually kind of liked Julia Roberts in this, and I almost never like her. Um, I thought, like, I thought the story was good. Um, like, her outfits were certainly interesting. I thought that was an interesting choice, but I yeah. guess it, it, like, makes sense for the plot. Mm. Um, I don't really remember what I said in my, like, uh, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> well, you said she sure showed them. Well, but she it's, did. It's, it's like, kind of just, she, she sure showed them the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of think this is the movie I have the least to say about, even though I think it tells the most interesting story. No, that's not true at all. Never mind. Kathleen, uh, what did you think? Or did like, you get more to say, Lars? Not really. Okay. <laughs> I like... I'm sorry, I'm like stretching. But, um... Uh, well, the podcast can't see that. But um, I enjoyed this movie, I think, because it was a good break from what we had watched before, where it was just hmm. like normal person doing things um i found her character slightly insufferable but i think i was supposed to yeah um but i enjoyed it because i think mostly because i was able to like after a lot of movies that were just like what is happening it was just like here's a good one about the underdog winning the big day um but otherwise i have like nothing i I mean, like, I feel okay about it being nominated for Best Picture. I don't, know, like, I would understand, I think, either way. But I enjoyed it. That's, like, all I kind of have to say, because I don't think there's, like, a lot left in it to talk about. It's just kind of like, she sure showed them. She sure showed them. <laughs> it definitely does feel like a, oh, let's get Julia Roberts an Oscar movie. Yeah. Um, and it has like. Which did she? Yes. Oh, okay. And those moments are my least, like. There's the. I think certainly my least favorite scene in the film is that like, Aaron Eckhart and like his biker gang move in <laughs> next door. Um, oh, I love that part. Oh, uh, storm well, which, and Mormon. Well the, well, the part where he goes up to her, he's like, "Can I get your number?" She's like, "You want a oh, number?" I hated that. And she's all like, "How about?" And she basically is, like, oh, yeah. rattles off her debt. How much kid she has, like, her age, I guess, I don't know. And he's just like, Psh. It's just, like, so, like, no one actually talks like that. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah, so... I, I like that. I feel like that. Yeah. And, and there's, there's just, I feel like, lots of moments like that. There's also the moment where they, her, her law firm partners with a bigger law firm, and they're like, oh, we have to all, like, go to all these people and actually find out their phone numbers, and she, like, she's, like, she memorizes their phone numbers and addresses and all this information about these people, but she, um you know, expresses it in a very sassy and folksy way. And, you know, I, that's, it's just kind of like, I get what you're trying to do. And it's, it's just maybe a little too earnest for, for my liking. Um, but it, this is a fine, there's like nothing wrong with this. Yeah. Movie. It no. just has parts that are like very like Hollywood. If I you want to watch Julia Roberts and a lot of skimpy clothing. Yeah. This is the movie for you. That's the thing is they they very much accentuate how she's supposed to be sort of like more of like a blue collar sort of like rough and tumble kind of like you know yeah Southern California. Well, she's from Kansas, like a Kansas gal. Like you know she's supposed to be sort of like a little uncouth and a little sort of like sassy and like wears yeah lots of tight revealing outfits um, instead of like. Like, like her sort of, like, counterpart at, like, the bigger law firm is just, like, cartoonishly buttoned up, almost as cartoonishly sort of, like, skin tight her outfits are. Her just, like, you know, very neuter and her hair is very, like, in a tight ponytail and just, like, very, very, like, plain business attire. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have a ton to say about this movie either. It's just, it's a very, like standard movie very standard it doesn't really do much cinematically like the only bit I noticed was like oh they like made an artistic choice there was um after she hooks up with Aaron Eckhart and then like she sort of like is putting on like her tiara because she was a beauty queen in Wichita or wherever and um 
she's like giving her like her little speech and there's like like little jump cuts there during her speech and I'm like oh that was a choice but in that, <laughs> never, I was never like oh that was a choice like it was all pretty sort of yeah all standard, standard stuff I, I certainly did not notice the filmmaking in this yeah. Yeah. very much which is ironic because this is so Steven Soderbergh directed two of the movies we watched and I definitely noticed the filmmaking in the other movie you made. indeed indeed but we'll get to that later Yes. Which, okay. that's interesting. That yeah. Two, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, so, yeah, Aaron Brockovich. This movie was nominated for some awards. Uh, it was nominated for original screenplay. Uh, Albert Finney was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Julia Roberts won Best Actress. Steven Soderbergh was nominated for Best Director. And it was, of course, nominated for Best Picture. The what? next movie we watched was Gladiator, which was directed by... Yes! <laughs> directed by Ridley Scott, written by David Franzoni, John Logan, and William Nicholson. And starring Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, Connie Nielsen, Oliver Reed, Derek Jacoby, Jamon Hansu, and Richard Harris. So Gladiator is a classic tale of revenge. Marcus Aurelius, no, actually Marcus Aurelius is Emperor of Rome at this point, and one of his most dedicated generals is a man named Maximus. He wins a big battle for him in Germania, and Marcus Aurelius says, hey, I'm going to die soon, and when I do, I want you to be emperor instead of my son Commodus. Commodus finds out, Commodus kills his father. He uh, sort of pins it on, uh, what's his name, Maximus. And then Maximus sort of breaks free. Um, but not before Commodus kills his wife and child. And then Maximus sort of passes out and is sort of taken up by slavers, I guess. But that is before. No, because... He escapes and he tries escapes. to go save his wife and child. Yes. But arrives... Too late. Too late. To find them dead. Yeah. And then he, like, passes out and yeah. is picked up by slavers and brought to Africa where he fights as a gladiator while Commodus consolidates his power in Rome. And then eventually, Commodus, to celebrate the life of his father, is, it's like however many hundred days of games, and then uh, Maximus makes a name for himself in the ring and eventually ends up in Rome where he sort of plots a mini-rebellion against Commodus. Kathleen, you really like this movie. I love this movie. This was just like Roman Braveheart. I think I like brawny men fighting each other. <laughs> Same. Um, I don't know. I just love this movie. It's a classic tale of like revenge for one's loved ones, of betrayal, of action and adventure, of like smart people doing like straw, like being like like the smart person winning the fight. Um, just there was nothing that I disliked about this movie. It was not as good as Braveheart. But <laughs> Let's it, be clear. <laughs> but it was it was just good. It felt good. Um, the you, the thing that made it different than Braveheart is you knew like less about Maximus's personal life. You saw like he did not go frolicking with his wife or anything. Um, because she's dead. Because she's dead. <laughs> Rip. But that's chill. Um. No, it was just good. It was, like, crazy that that was a real thing. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It was just, I don't. I don't know what to say about this movie. It was just so... And the colors were so orange. Um, a lot of sand. A lot of sand. It's one of those movies where you feel the textures of things. Like, it feels real because everything is, like, you know, gritty, tactile. tactile. There are, like, tigers that look real. Maybe they are real. I don't know. If I don't know. I assume they were mostly computer generated. That's what I would assume too. Um, but there was nothing like I didn't feel like there was anything cheesy about it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of it's like over, like like I mean, he's a gladiator who's like he's this, this little man fighting off tigers and big brawny men and stuff, and like his little troop fights off um, like big people on horses. And so there's like crazy things about it, but none of it feels like hokey. It was just like a good, feel-good movie about men killing men. (laughs) What did you think, Lars? Indeed. I have thoughts about this movie as well. Um, I like how it's like, I think it might be my favorite sport movie of all time. (laughs) Because it's it's kind of like a sports movie. It is, yeah. Which kind of makes it messed up, but I also think it's kind of the point. Yes, it is. Um, And it's like, he's like Roman... 
it's like here comes the general. He's like Roman George Washington, yeah. right? So woke like that. He's like a righteous dude because he's had this like terrible life, and then he was a slave, and he's like ah, blah. but then he becomes like oh, I'm the dude now. And he he wants beca- to restore the Roman Republic, right? And he like doesn't want power. He just wants like goodness to prevail, and it's cool. And he's like a martyr for that cause in the like the dungeons. It's cool. Um, and how everyone like rally like everyone rallies their lives for his. I really like that whole yeah. part of the film. Um, I th- think, <laughs> and here's where I think I'm gonna differ from certainly Kathleen and maybe Michael. <laughs> I think my least favorite thing about this movie is the way it looks. Is I actually think it's like it's an achievement in filmmaking, but I don't think it's an achievement in cinematography. Is I think it actually looks kind of like. Like, like charmy. I don't know. I think Can it looks kind of cheap. Can you pull up some screenshots from this? It's like even if you look at like the poster, I feel like it looks like I. So I, I think it looks mostly fine. I, I would agree with you that definitely at the end, there's a, there's a shot of like Rome that looks pretty bad. Yeah, I it mean, looks I, like this prequel Star Wars is is where yeah, I'm going with this. Yeah. Is it yeah. looks like Which makes sense? Right, it was the same time. Right, and I think that's. Like, well, I just hate the prequel Star Wars is so much <laughs> that any movie released between 2000 and 2003 hates. No, but I don't like I don't like that look. You know, like I don't, and I think I'm exaggerating a little bit. It's really just the poster that really kind of pisses me off. It's not a great poster, um, and it's like the actual movie itself does not look as like yellow, yeah, scrubbed, um, but it, it's. I don't, I don't know. There's... It looks like a Ken doll on the poster. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the, the actual movie itself looks fine. I don't think it's wrong. It just gets it gets a little too much, like, prequely or post-prequel edits of the original trilogy looking for mm-hmm. me. Um, and, but it's like, and I recently watched Jurassic Park, and it kind of blew me away how, like, the special effects in Jurassic Park which came out, like, a decade before this movie. Seven years before this movie. Like, amazing. Yeah. Like, it's flawless. It, like, doesn't look bad at all. But this movie, like, definitely has parts that look, like, not great. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, really fair. Other than that, the movie's really good. I really like this movie. But I think that's a totally fair sort of angle to take, right? Because this movie is just kind of a spectacle. Right. That's kind of the thing with this movie. And I feel like we haven't really had a ton of movies we've watched where it's like, this is sort of blockbuster spectacle. Right. And I think that's what makes Gladiator interesting and certainly interesting as, like, a win. Because this did end up winning Best Picture Spoiler Room. Is that it's it's very much a straight-up blockbuster. Yeah. It's it, it played extremely straight. Um, there's not a lot of subtext. No, there yeah. isn't, like, a lot of subtext. The only subtext I say is, like, I do think there's, like... But it's, like, an invigorating movie. Yeah. And, like, you're watching it as a modern viewer going, this is barbaric. They have people kill each other for sport, but at the same time, you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. So... You're kind of drawn into that. You under, you know, it, you get hooked on the bloodlust yourself. Yeah. It it and I know this is not a fair point to make because one of them is clearly better than the other. But it's like three hundred almost like ruins this movie for me. Not in that I like three hundred, in that I like don't really love right, three hundred. Yeah. And it's like it kind of reminds me of three hundred, mm-hmm. and so I have this association of like, uh, eh. Yeah, and it's also like um, other movie. Yes, I, I think it, <laughs> I think the problem is it's it's hard, perhaps impossible to make like a perfect movie about the Roman Empire. Yeah, is that it's just like not relatable at all. It is so <laughs> yeah, it is so like foreign, even mm-hmm. though it's supposed to be so grounded in reality, but it looks nothing like reality. Mm-hmm. It's also hard when they're in Rome, but they have a tal- or I, English. A, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and and like and yeah. Here, here's my critique on history for that matter. So it's like Rome. Uh, it's like it is unfathomable to us that like two thousand years ago they could have had like a coliseum. Like a coliseum is huge. Like the shit they had in the Roman days is like amazing, and it's like we get it today, kind of. But it's still like wow. You go see that, you're like wow. But it's like, it looks so unrealistic, even though it's supposed to be realistic. 
in a movie that takes place at that time. It's like it's very hard to like actually frame the Roman like age in a like realistic light. Yes. It's difficult to comprehend. It makes it seem almost yeah, it makes it seem like a spectacle. It makes it seem like one of those like terrible movies they make about Roman gods these days. Yeah. Whatever that one was called. It feels like a fantasy movie. Yeah. It's yeah, kind yeah. of what I'm saying. And I think part of it too is that like I think we're actually probably more familiar with like well, we are more like with cultural representations of Rome than we are of Rome itself. Right. Like um, I another movie that won Best Picture is Ben Hur, which also takes place during the age of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's very similar because it is also a tale of revenge. But then, like, it's like actually revenge was bad, and you should be Jesus instead. Um, Jesus is in this movie as well, not in Gladiator, in Ben Hur. Um, <laughs> and 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 so, but the thing is, like that, they also have like very grand English accents, and actually, some of them just have like. American accents and like they 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 all have some of them speak with like kind of like this and like they have like wild eyebrows and wigs and stuff which is also in this movie so at some point like is this movie like a representation of representation like is it just kind of like a it feels like less a recreation of Rome sometimes more a recreation of like a movie about Rome from the fifties about like, of like Spartacus or Ben Hur yeah I guess. I guess my point is that it's not the movie's fault. No, this movie could be one hundred percent realistic, and I would still never buy it. Right? Yeah. Like it feels unrealistic, even if it was like a shot-for-shot remake of reality. I guess the only thing I would say that Ben Hur and Spartacus have subtext, and this kind of doesn't. So yeah, um, maybe it is a little bit of its fault in that regard. And actually, I was reading during production. Apparently, like the original script was so bad that once they got to the first day of shooting, Russell Crowe was like, "I can't read these lines." And they actually, like, rewrite a lot of it on the set, and then I ended up getting nominated for all these awards and won a bunch of them, so... This goes to show you, it doesn't even have to be good until they get to filming it for it to win awards. But, um... Yeah, I, uh... I do really enjoy this movie, though. It's, it's like, a lot of fun, which is a weird thing to say, yeah. Yeah. I guess, about a violent movie like this, but... It is. Just classic lines, like... About his, um... I was gonna recite it, but then I didn't remember it. You know, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Like, doesn't get much better than that from, like, dialogue writing. Like, a, a big, and it's just like, yeah, it's all about grandeur, it's all about billowing grandness, and I think, plus this. also, Joaquin Phoenix, I think he's really good in this movie. He was, who was he? He was Commodus. He's a bad guy. He's the bad guy. Like, there's that one scene where they're, they're like, Maximus and his band of gladiators are supposed to be, like, the Carthaginians and, like, a re- reenactment of a battle of Carthage. And they're supposed to die, but then they end up killing the people playing the Romans, and so everyone's booing them. And Walking Games is going, like, ah! Like, he's, like, sticking out his tongue in disgust. And I was like, ah, so good. Anyway, Gladiator. Anything else to say about Gladiator? No. All right. Well, it won Best Visual Effects, was nominated for editing. One costume design, nominated for cinematography and art direction. One sound mixing, nominated for score or original screenplay. Joaquin Phoenix was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Russell Crowe won Best Actor, which, eh. He's um, fine, but it's not really much, in my opinion. Um, Ridley Scott was nominated for Best Director, and it won Best Picture. Next, we have Traffic, which was... Directed by Steven Soderbergh. Wait, what? Yeah, he also directed Darren Brockovich. Whoa! Screenplay <laughs> by Steven Gagan, um, based on the TV show Traffic, which was created by Simon Moore. Oh, I didn't know stars, that. Yeah. Stars Michael Douglas, Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, Dennis Quaid, Catherine Zeta-Jones. And? And? Orrin Hatch, Harry Reid, Chuck Grassley. Yes, and Louise Guzman. <laughs> and Jacob Vargas. And Marisol Padilla Sanchez and Thomas Millian and Amy Irving and Eric Christensen and Topher Grace, who could forget, and Albert Finney and John Slattery. It is a cast of like a trillion people in this movie. Um, and it's all about the drug trade. There are three main storylines, I think you could say. Indeed. Um, one is for Benicio del Toro's storyline. He is a cop in Tijuana. Um, and he's trying to crack down on. A cartel. He gets approached by a Mexican general to say, "Hey, let's work together." But it turns out this general is actually in the pocket of the cartel. Um, it's also about Michael Douglas, who is tapped as some president's 
next drug czar, and but whose daughter is herself a drug addict. And it's also about Catherine Zeta-Jones, who was married to a drug lord, unbeknownst to her, but then he gets arrested, and she has to make a bunch of moves to try and make sure that he avoids conviction. All well done, she and Luis Guzman are trying to pin more stuff on him. Also, Miguel Ferrer's in this movie, I probably should mention that. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Falling out. Um, Lars, you really liked this movie. I did. I thought this was like the this was by far the best movie this year for me. Um, I I actually really I don't usually love the whole like competing narratives like playing together thing. I don't think it usually works very well in a film setting. I think it works a lot better better in television. But this um, it kind of felt like a pre Breaking Bad where it sort of was that. It's about the drug trade. Um, it's on the U.S. border, <laughs> um, and it sort of like mixed all of these stories within a two and a half hour time frame in a way that really worked, um, and like they all like ping off of each other without being unbelievable. Like it makes sense yeah. how they all kind of connect, and I liked like the connection is less that like everything connects. It's more of like a it's more of like an like a like an S where it's like there's mm-hmm. the center. And then there's, like, you wrap around to the center, you know? Um, uh, I think the acting is really good. I think the the writing is really good. Um, And, yeah, I think the cinematography is really good, unlike the other movie he did. (laughs) Um, It's, like, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of choice in this movie. It's, like, he chooses when to use kind of more of like a shaky film when he like he uses like blue lighting a lot when it's in like oh america so refined and he uses like very gritty like tan lighting when they're in mexico and then he uses like like bright lighting whenever they're in san diego yeah where, where the Catherine david Jones. right right um there's a, yeah there's a lot of lighting um I just, I really, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but I think it's, yeah, I think the acting's great. Um, I think the cameo by Orrin Hatch is a delight. Um, I've read a lot about that. Apparently, <laughs> Orrin Hatch regrets it. He does. They, for context. What was his cameo? So oh, there's okay, a scene early on in the movie, right after Michael Douglas becomes the drug czar, where he's meeting with like drug experts in Washington at like a Georgetown residence at a Washington dinner party. And it's like, there's a cameo. They're all unnamed, but it's like senators at the time, all of whom have aged so well, (laughs) Orrin Hatch, Harry Reid, Barbara Boxer, and Chuck Grassley. (laughs) Um, And and he like talks with all of them. There's a couple other people there, but. Um, and it's weird and like in hindsight or in Hatch um, has said he regrets this movie because it's violent yeah also Don Nichols is another governor who was yeah business. and then Bill Wells right Massachusetts. and Gary Johnson running mate oh that's right was also in this movie what do you think Kathleen it's a large Lars movie, movie. <laughs> I knew it got that being said I enjoyed some of it I enjoyed um, the Catherine Zeta-Jones plotline, I enjoy, and I enjoyed the plotline with the drug addict daughter and, like, the drugs are dad. Um, everything that actually had to do with, like, logistical stuff was just too confusing for me, but again, I like to focus on people rather than plot, so if you're into the whole that thing, that's cool. Um, but the lighting was really cool, and I found it engaging, I just, like, didn't retain a lot of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually think the Michael Douglas subplot was my least favorite. Which one um, was that? The drug czar and his daughter. Oh, I like that. I, I liked the daughter part. I didn't love the Michael Douglas part. It, it felt sort of like... Yeah, I don't know. It, it felt like a lot to have, like... I get having a drug czar storyline, and I get having a user storyline. It felt like a lot to combine them together. And that, that, to me, felt a little bit like the least sort of realistic part, I guess. Where you have, like, the drugs of the United States driving around, like, inner-city Cincinnati looking for his strung-out daughter. Like, it, the metaphor there felt a little heavy-handed, I guess. Um, it wasn't, like, really poorly. And, like, 
also like the arguments between like Michael Douglas and his wife where it's just kind of like yeah that to me like felt a little like overdone and just not that believable and just kind of like eh but um no this, this movie's good I, I like what you said about it being S it's sort of like the it does feel very sort of naturally intertwined and like it's handled really well like there's one scene where um you have a group of characters entering Mexico while others like leaving Mexico and the way that's that. the way that's presented is really good because it shows like one side of border crossing and then it just kind of like in one shot goes to the next side of border crossing yeah um it's really well done yeah, I like the way they shoot Mexico, how it's sort of, like, sun-bleached and, like, grainy. Um, and I, I love, there's one sequence that I loved, which is when Benicio Del Toro and the general are going to put the clamps down on the one cartel, and it's this sort of montage of them, like, you know, arresting people, and, like, it shows, like, the copy from the Mexican newswire being like however many members of whatever cartel were busted today, and it shows that as the, you see them, like, marching these people out at gunpoint and they're just kind of like electronic music playing I like the music in this it's done by Cliff Martinez who also did Drive yeah um, so I think that's really well done I, I feel like it's the most of all the films this year it's the only one that has everything which I suppose is more of a segue into our next segment but it's like it's the only one that combines like good writing good music good direction good cinematography uh, and like a good like actual storyline yeah and like every like all of the rest of the, like i can't remember the music from even glad like i don't remember <laughs> like none of them have everything right yeah. they all have like most of these things mm-hmm. maybe not shock <laughs> but it's like this is the only one that kind of clicked on every single thing that a great movie should have for me yeah i think it's totally fair it definitely feels the most i think it feels the most modern for one thing yeah and i think it um it, it's the most artful, I think, it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not in a, like, pretentious way. Because no. it feels more down-to-earth. Yeah. Um, it certainly gets lofty at points, but I don't yeah. think it's pretentious. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Speaking of, like, yeah, also the scene where the drugs are is just, like, I can't do his speech, and he, like, walks up a podium. It felt very Aaron Sorkin-y to me. It, yes. Um, it, which was the style of the times. Yeah, it was the style <laughs> of the times. Uh, I guess yeah, that, that like that that's sort of like my big contention with that whole plot line. But like the the way where he's just sort of like that it ends with them seeing their daughter at rehab and they ask like the person in charge like, Oh, do you have anything to say? And they're just like, We're just here to listen Which is sort of like an interesting It's very Sorkin still. Yeah, <laughs> it's very Sorkin-y, but at the same time it's like it offers kind of this um it, it I feel like this movie has a point of view and the other movies don't have a point of view, really. There, there is, like, a catharsis to this film. Yeah. And the point of view is that, like, the way we're approaching the drug problem is wrong and, like, millions of people have said that. But I feel like it actually sort of demonstrates why it's wrong and how it's sort of, like, pervasive and how there's, like, a million... It's, it's not... It's, it's an asymmetric war and also, like, a... It's not bipolar either, right? Yeah. It's, like, I think one of the best scenes is when... Um, Luis Guzman and Don Cheadle, who are, I guess, DEA agents, um, yeah. are, are leading Miguel Ferrer, who's like the star witness in the case against Catherine David Jones' husband, um, out of the courthouse. And um, all the while, a hitman was hired by Catherine David Jones to plant a bomb underneath their car. Um, but at the same time, the hitman from another cartel is wants to kill the hitman who planted the bomb because the hitman squealed to the general. And you have these sort it's it's not a there's a tension there, but it's not it's not again bipolar tension, right? It's not it's, the tension you think. Right. It's yeah. not the tension you think and like you don't know where to focus, right? And there's like three different people with like three different goals and it all it has an explosive result. Huh. And I guess like my whole thing is that like I also don't think I love movies that have the competing plot lines because I feel like it makes the drama feel a little trite. Like, when there is that explosive result, like, it, it felt a little unearned, and, like, I kind of knew it was coming, and you kind of feel it was coming, so that's, uh, that's, that's my take on that. Okay, Traffic. It was nominated and won for Best Editing, won Best Adapted Screenplay, uh, Benicio Del Toro won Best Supporting Actor. Nice. Did, do you agree with that? 
I do. I think he was good in this. Yeah. What? I don't know. I think he was good too. I just, I guess I don't understand why he won't. He's good. Okay. Especially towards the end. I think he's really good okay. when it gets like sad boy. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Steven Soderbergh won for Best Director and was nominated for Best Picture. The year is now 2001. You are a member of the, mo- of the Motion Picture. <laughs> no. God bless you. Thank of the you. Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. You are given a ballot with these movies on it. Chocolat, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, Gladiator, and Traffic. How do you vote? Let's start with Lars. I vote for Traffic. Yeah. That's easy. It's like I said, it's the only one that fires on every cylinder. It's not missing anything. Is it perfect? No, but it's not flawed. <laughs> it's like it, it's the most it's the most comprehensive film here. It's okay. like every part of it is like a success in some way. I vote for Gladiator. It is just a blockbuster and it deserves the appreciation. That's that. I swing vote. Swing I vote. I'm also going to vote for Gladiator. Yeah. <laughs> I like, Damn it. I like traffic, but like I really, really enjoy watching Gladiator more. Um, and yeah, I don't want to take anything away from traffic because I do think it's good. But I, I it's more so I just don't like the competing storylines. They call that a hyperlink movie because it's like you're hyperlinking to different stuff. Um, have you ever watched Valentine's Day? <laughs> well, it's like Love Actually. Or Valentine's it's made by the same Day. Traffic does it so much better than Love Actually, let's be clear. And Gladiator is just very big and grand and awesome because of that, I think, is, is where I come down on that. They're both very good. Traffic yeah. just happens to be smarter and more for the intellectual, <laughs> I guess. I guess so. It is definitely a two-horse race, though. Like, you could not convince me to vote for an idiot. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, are there... If you were a voting member, were there any other movies you would have nominated that came out in 2000? Hell yes. There are two notable exclusions. Um, and they are... American Psycho, which is a great film, and it's I think it's like a very prescient film. I think it's actually a very important film. Um, and would have actually been a really good win for kind of what is become in American culture. Um, and it would like kind of cap off the transition from the, even though it's about the 80s, from like the American beauty years into the like new century. Um, and I would also nominate Memento, which is good. <laughs> I would also nominate Memento. Great, great, uh, great mind-bending movie of some achievement storytelling in some sense. And it's like indie-ish at that point. Yeah, it's yeah. like Christopher Nolan's still kind of new to the game. It's like I don't think it's technically his first movie, but it's the only his first movie that like anybody saw that was like released in like more than like two theaters or something. Indeed, it's uh, certainly not. Um, <laughs> Hold on, this first movie's funny. <laughs> it's not Insomniac. No. There's Following and there's, um... <laughs> Doodlebug. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's certainly not Doodlebug. Um, I also would have nominated High Fidelity, which is kind of a romantic comedy um, about John Cusack, who plays the owner of a record store who... Um, breaks up with his girlfriend and then has lots of sort of soul searching and list making and talking with Bruce Springsteen. Bruce. Um, yeah. It's based on a book. The book is better than the movie and really good but the movie's also still good. Also Almost Famous came out which is a movie I don't love but people really like it. Um, I remember the Titans is a sentimental favorite of mine but probably not a best picture. Any for you, Catherine? I... As always, forgot to look them up. But your choices sound good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I think that does it for the year 2000. What say you all? I feel accomplished. Same. What can we? What are we looking forward to, Michael? That's a great question. <laughs> Next year is 2001. <laughs> so smooth. And the nominees for that year are, and the movies we'll be watching are. A Beautiful Mind. Yes! Oh, yeah. 
Gosford Park. What? <laughs> I've never even heard of that. In the bedroom. Nice. <laughs> Just like where we record this podcast. <laughs> it's true. The Lord of the Rings, the, the Fellowship of the Rings. <gasps> oh, it's starting. Well, it's yeah. our three consecutive years of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, nice. And Moulin Rouge. Oh, cool. So that one's good, Moulin too. Rouge. This will be a good year. I was just um, shopping for Cyber Monday deals today, and I uh, was shopping on a site that has a Moulin Rouge-themed skirt to it. Hmm. All right. Well, I look forward to watching this movie and finding out how that applies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get crunk. All right. Yes. Yeah, so that's what we'll be watching next. Uh, like I said, my name is Mike Levito. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at mlevito or on Letterboxd at Ameramike. I'm the Lars man. You can find me on Letterboxd at Lars Emerson. I'm Kathleen. You can find me on Letterboxd at Kathleen Levito. And you can find us on SoundCloud and now on Spotify as well. Yeah, we're actually going to start hosting and RSSing and all that like a real big boy podcast. So look out for us. And also visit our website, thepostwriter.com, mm-hmm. featuring all kinds of content from all three of us. A lot of written stuff. I wrote an article recently reviewing um, a Mitski show I went to. Lars reviewed First Man recently. I did. Kathleen wrote about... Um, picking up laundry and how it relates to mental health. Yeah. Yeah, so... I still have to post that. But I'll post it tomorrow. <laughs> okay. well, it's coming soon. Coming and soon. certainly after you listen to this episode. Yes, I'm sure. Um So yeah, this has been the Real Life Oscar Challenge. First episode of season two. Very exciting. Uh, thank you all for listening. And... Don't I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to say my name is Michael Andrew Levito, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered <laughs> wife, and I will have my vengeance on this pot or the next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Love you.